Well, one of the foundational doctrines of the Christian life, or just Christianity in general, is what's called the verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. Anybody ever heard of that phrase? The verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture. Like, whoa, we're getting right into it tonight, right? Uh, let me tell you what that means. It's very simple. The verbal plenary inspiration of Scripture means that God inspired each and every word of the Bible. That's all it means. Each and every word of the Bible was inspired by God. And so consequently, God's word is absolutely inerrant and infallible, which means it's without error and it's completely accurate. And that's why theologians will oftentimes say this. They'll say the Bible constitutes the only infallible rule of faith and practice. It's always been an intriguing statement to me. The Bible constitutes the only infallible rule of faith and practice. You're like, why can't theologians just like talk in normal English, right? Kind of like, well, simply say, this is how we state it in our um, visitor brochure and our doctrinal statement and, and even on our website. This is what we say, that the Bible is the only trustworthy standard of what we should believe and how we should live. Is that easier to understand? That's what we mean by it's the only infallible rule. It's the only trustworthy standard of faith of what we should believe and practice how we should live. And so throughout God's word, he shows us how to live. Right? This is this thing. I mean, it's amazing when you think about this right here. You all have one, right? This is the only trustworthy standard of of what you should believe and how you should live. It's right here. We've got it. We've got it. What a blessing, right? And, and so we know that God just shows us time and time again in Scripture how to live. And oftentimes, he does that by contrasting how we shouldn't live. So in other words, he doesn't just tell us how to live. He shows us what, what not living right looks like and shows us the results. And so he, he, he oftentimes will give us a side-by-side comparison of the right way and the wrong way to live and shows us the benefits and the blessings of choosing the right way and then shows us the, the consequences of choosing the wrong way. And, and I think you could just boil down the, the, the two ways to live um, in two words, wisdom and folly. Wisdom and folly. You can either live wisely or you can live foolishly. And of all the writers uh, of Scripture, those who were inspired by God, right, and were superintended to write exactly every word, um, each and every word that God wanted written, um, none of those writers talked more about this contrast between wisdom and folly than Solomon. And it stands to reason because he was the wisest man who ever lived who, at the same time, acted more foolishly than anyone who's ever lived. And so he, he did it both, right? He, he, he experienced both sides of the coin. He'd been there and done that. So he knew what it was like to live foolishly. He knew what it was like to live wisely. And so he's the perfect human being, right, to, 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 to reveal to us, to, to, to show us the two ways to live. The two choices that we have. Now, Solomon's writings are referred to as wisdom literature, uh, and they're all situated in the center of the Bible along with the book of Job and Psalms. And so you have Job, Psalms, what? Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Five poetic books, they're called, or wisdom books. And, and usually when we think about living wisely, what is the first book that comes to our mind? Proverbs, right? 31 chapters of these short, pithy little statements exalting wisdom and exposing and denouncing folly. But two out of the 12 chapters in the book of Ecclesiastes contain similar lists of Proverbs. We already saw one of those um, lists back in chapter 7. And tonight we're going to look at the other list in chapter 10. Um, And here in chapter 10, verses 1 through 20, we see a, 
another series of loosely connected sayings and stories that sound a lot like the book of Proverbs. If we just kind of had our eyes closed and I just read this to you and you didn't know where I was reading from, you would have assumed that I was reading from the book of Proverbs. And like the Proverbs, these 20 verses are really hard to discern um, a, a carefully constructed argument like a, maybe like a flow or a theme necessarily here, um, it, it does seem that, that Solomon is simply continuing the theme of the previous chapters, which he's been making the case that while there's no apparent difference in the outcome of those who live wisely and those who live foolishly, right, you, you both end up in the grave from a human perspective, right, there's really no difference, um, Sometimes the wise person, in fact, dies sooner than the fool. Sometimes the fool fares better than the wise person, right? And he's showing these inequities, these inconsistencies, but he says at the same time, even though there's no apparent difference in the outcome of a wise person and a foolish person, wisdom is still the better way to live. Wisdom is still a better way. And so to make sure that no one concluded that that uh, wisdom was useless, like, well, why should I live wisely then if sometimes the fools make, off, make out better than we do, right? Um, that somehow wisdom, living wisely, is a big waste of time. Solomon wanted to emphasize the advantages of wisdom as opposed to folly. And in chapter 10, the word folly is used nine times. And so he's clearly uh, wanting to expose um, folly uh, and, and really exalt wisdom. By exposing the folly, he's exalting wisdom. And look back in chapter 9, if you'll remember this from last week. This is how this chapter ended. This is the context. Uh, chapter 9, verse 13. Also, this I came to see as wisdom under the sun, and it impressed me. There was a small city with few men in it, and a great king came to it, surrounded it, and constructed large siege works against it. But there was found in it a poor wise man, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. So I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised and his words are not heeded. So we said there was a little um, challenge in, in how to interpret that. Did, did it actually happen? Did this wise man actually deliver this city um, through his wisdom? Or did the city end up being destroyed because they didn't listen to the wise man? Verse 17, the words of the wise heard in quietness are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools. It seems that maybe um, that, that some boisterous leader, right, shouted above the wise man and, and uh, the, the, the loud, obnoxious leader won the day, right, because he was, made the louder argument. And so, and yet he reaffirms again, verse 18, wisdom is better than weapons of war, so wisdom is better than any weapon, right? Um, brains over brawn, we said, right? Um, but at the same time, one sinner destroys much good. In other words, one knucklehead can mess up a whole lot of stuff, right? One dumb thing, one foolish act, one foolish word can, can, can really mess up a whole lot of good that's been done through wisdom, And notice how he continues, verse 10, chapter 10, verse 1. Dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. And so here is an appropriate place to um, give another series of wise sayings really related to how to make the most of life here on earth. And so again, this is, this is wisdom for living is what uh, we're going to see in this chapter um, and we're going to see contrasting with that uh, basically what life is like for fools. And so really the question that we need to ask ourselves tonight is are we living wisely or are we living foolishly? And so you'll have an opportunity to, to test that by just comparing your life with these 20 verses in, in, in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. I've just broken them up into five sections. We're going to see walking wisely uh, in verses 1 through 3, leading wisely, verses 4 through 7, working wisely, verses 8 through 11, talking wisely, verses 12 through 15, and then finally submitting wisely, 
verses 16 through 20. Again, just a loose outline uh, to kind of just put some hooks, provide some hooks to kind of put our thoughts on here tonight. First of all, let's look at walking wisely. And again, Solomon begins here in verse 1 by illustrating the statement he made in 918, wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. For example, let me illustrate for you that dead flies make a perfumer's oil stink, so a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. So flies in those days would, would, would die in the perfume. They would have their perfumes open uh, in the open air, and a fly would get in it, and they would die, and it would give off this foul odor. And so basically what Solomon is saying is folly stinks. It smells. It creates all sorts of problems for those who commit it, and along with all those whom the folly affects. Do you realize that you may be a wise person, but someone else's folly affects you? Right? We talked about that in, when we went through the book of Lamentations, that here's Jeremiah, right? Uh, the, the, the weeping prophet who hadn't done anything wrong. He was a righteous man, had honored the, and been faithful to God, and yet he was suffering along with the foolish nation of Judah, Right? And so sometimes you could be living wisely and that doesn't make you immune to the effects of other people's foolishness. Um, did I tell you about my wife and how she likes to honk at people? Did I tell you that story? Like honk when we're on the road, on the road and I, I couldn't remember, I told you this. So, so this is funny because this is the difference between a guy and a girl or at least me and my wife. I'll just leave it at that, Right. So we were driving up Walden Road one day, and, and so, um, you know, we were pulling up there where it all kind of comes together and gets crazy, Walgreens, Walmart, Walden Road craziness right there. And uh, so anyway, somebody just foolishly pulled out right in front of us out of Walmart, had to put on my brakes, you know, and Kelly's first reaction, well, we'll honk at him. She's over there, Pat, we'll honk at him. And I hesitated, and then I just, you know, because I'm a submissive husband, I honked. <laughs> and I started feeling really guilty that I honked at the guy. And I, and I said, honey, why do you want me to honk at that guy? Well, because that was dumb. He shouldn't have done that. That was foolish. And I was like, well, yeah, but I was mad. And so when I honked, I was, I was angry. And I was frustrated at that person for being said to dimwit, to pull out, right? And as if I've never done that, right? But I, I, was, I was angry, and it was an expression of anger to honk that horn, lay on that horn. And, and, uh, and she says, well, I just honk on the horn to let them know that was dumb, and they shouldn't do it again. I was like, are you serious? You can, like, maintain your composure, and you're just, like, letting them know. That's what, I'm sure that's what that person thought when I... When I honked the horn, they were thinking, oh, that was really dumb. I should never do that again. They're like, that guy's hacked off at me. I'm going to duck. I'm going to get out of here quick before he sees who I am, right? It was just cute. I was like, okay, seriously, okay, so if you want to police the roadways, okay, and let people know when they do dumb things and they need to think ahead next time and not do something foolish, right, that can endanger all of us, right? All that to say, sometimes you could be a really wise driver, right? but you could experience the effects of a foolish driver. So if you ever see my wife behind you and she honks, she's just, she's just encouraging you to be wise <laughs> in how you drive. Think before you act, okay? And you won't hear me honk, okay? Because I'll just be mad at you. I'd be sinning, okay? So I, I just couldn't get over how you can honk and not be sinning, okay? Because every time I honk, I'm sinning. So... <laughs> My wife is just on a different spiritual plane than me. That's really what's going on. I'm really off my notes now. So um, the, the point is that, that wisdom uh, stinks and, 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 and a little fool, excuse me, <laughs> folly stinks and a little fool, <laughs> wisdom just stinks, you know? What am I saying here? I'm like out of my mind here. Um, that's what happens when I talk to my wife. I just get flustered, you know? But notice what it says, a little foolishness is weightier than wisdom and honor. You know, you, you know this is true, and this is, this is a sad, scary thing, that a person can live wisely for years and develop a reputation for being a wise, godly, honorable person, and then 
with just a single one foolish act, they can destroy the reputation for the rest of their life. I mean, one rash word, one rude remark, one hasty decision, one angry outburst, one sinful, you know, uh, indiscretion. And despite years of godliness and, 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 and godly achievements, people will only remember that one sinful incident. Isn't that scary? Isn't that sad? But that's what he's saying. So a little foolishness is weighter than wisdom and honor. Verse 2, a wise man's heart directs him towards the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him toward the left. If I were polit- more political in, in the pulpit, I, yeah, you got it, didn't you, already? I don't even have to say anything. <laughs> hey, Bible's, you know, inerrant, infallible, just, it's never wrong, right? So if, you're, if you lean to the left, okay, Politically, you are a fool, okay, if you lead to the right. Okay, the point here is a a wise man's heart directs him towards the right, but a foolish man's heart directs him to the left. Interesting how in the Bible, the right is always the honorable side. The left is always the bad side. You don't want to be on the left. You want to be on the right. The right hand, where is Jesus seated? At the right hand of God, right hand of the Father. Who, Who was on the right and the left? The sheep were on the right and the goats were on the Left, right? So the whole idea here is is you don't want to be on the left side. A wise man's heart directs him towards the right, to do the right thing, to be on the right path, but the foolish man's heart directs him to the wrong path, to do the wrong thing. I think also, excuse you lefties out there, but most of the time people are more right-handed, right? I mean, we're more... Uh, we're better with our right hand than our left hand. Um, wise people are usually more adept at life. They're better at life, right, than, than the fool, right? The fools awkwardly stumble and bumble through life. And so that's the idea of the left. And I mean, you get, you get me up uh, batting righty, and I'm, I'm pretty good. I can hit it pretty good. But if you get me up batting left, I'm, I'm going to whiff, uh, you know? And a lot of people are whiffing life. Right? Why? Because they're, they're fools. They're not living in, their, in, in the strength of wisdom. Notice verse 3. Even when the fool walks along the road, here's the walking wisely here. Walking, of course, is the, 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 the term for living, right? That's the expression. Even when the fool walks along the road, his sense is lacking and he demonstrates to everyone that he's a fool. In other words, if you're a fool, it will manifest in the way you live your life. Your daily conduct will reveal your lack of common sense in the simplest things. Everyone's going to know you're an idiot. That's what he's saying. It's clear to everyone around you, that guy's a fool. And so the first thing that he's talking about here, that Psalm's talking about, is walking wisely. Now, let's talk about leading wisely. Leading wisely. Look at verse 4. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allays great offenses. And so the the point is, taking this from a positive perspective, it's never wise to blow up in anger, especially if you're in a leadership position. If you're a pastor, you're an elder, you're a boss, you're a teacher, you're a coach, you're a parent, okay, it's never wise to blow up in anger at the people that you're leading. And, uh, and so, again, we're talking about leading wisely. Don't, don't be an angry leader. Don't be that angry dad, right? Don't be that angry boss, um, that irritable whatever. Just don't, don't cross me or I'm going I'm to blow up at you, right? Um, on the other side of the coin, if you have someone in authority over you and they go off on you, anybody ever have that happen? Okay, we don't want to raise your hand. Any, 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 any wives in here had their husband go off on you, okay? That's authority. Somebody in authority over you, your, your husband goes off on you, your boss goes off on you guys, right? You have this boss and he just went off on you, or, or maybe someone else in authority went off on you. Um, 
He's saying it's better not to respond in like manner. If the ruler's temper rises against you, do not abandon your position because composure allays great offenses. In other words, don't, don't yell back at him or storm off. Fine, if that's the way you're going to be, I'm out of here. Here's my resignation, right? Whatever. I'm done. I'm divorcing you. I'm out of here. You don't leave in a huff. That's what fools do in tense moments is they blow up and they storm out. Where a wise person, right, is able to control their temper, right? They're able to respond patiently and gently. Listen, it's always better if there's only one person angry in a, in a relationship, right? You, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. If, if your wife's angry, right, and you're calm, cool, and collected, that's a good thing. If you're angry and she's calm, cool, and collected, that's a good thing. But if both of you get hacked off, it's not pretty. Right? It's, it is war. It is war. Yeah. And so, just, so the point is, you got one person already mad. They're chewing you out. They're coming down hard on you. Don't respond in like manner. Keep your cool, respond patiently, gently, which will likely diffuse the situation. And Proverbs has several things to say about this. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. That's a familiar verse, right? So if somebody's speaking harshly to you, um, they're, they're basically unloading their wrath on you, right? Respond gently. Answer them gently. Because if you don't, right, gently, gent, gentle answer turns away wrath, diffuses the situation, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It's like, oh, okay, you're throwing logs in the fire, I'll throw some logs on too. How about I just uh, get, a, get the gas can and we're just going to push, right? And the thing just gets bigger, it just escalates, right? Proverbs sixteen fourteen. The fury of a king is like messengers of death, but a wise man will appease it. So you got an angry husband, ladies, be a wise woman. Be an Abigail, right? Um, who, who knows how to appease uh, that angry person. Um, you got an angry teenager, right? Know how to wisely deal with that and not respond in like manner. Uh, Proverbs 25.15. Proverbs 25.15 says this, By forbearance, a ruler may be persuaded and a soft tongue breaks the bone. Sometimes you can kill him with what? Kill him with kindness, right? Heap, heap the burning coals on their head, right? I would also say this back in Ecclesiastes that, that whenever you get chewed out or, or, or um, you know, the leader comes down hard on you or goes off on you, it's always a good opportunity just to take a step back and, and take an objective look at yourself and maybe, maybe, maybe you messed up. Maybe you didn't do the right thing and, and that you deserve to get corrected. Maybe not in the manner that they're correcting you. Not, I'm not advocating or, or, or saying it's okay for them to go off on you. But look past the, the anger and, and, and the, the foam coming out of the mouth and everything else that's happening, right? And, and, and think, well, maybe, maybe I didn't do something right. Maybe I need to make something right with them. And, and, and you're, you're listening. You're, you're looking through, right? You're trying to look through because you're wise. And, and here's the fool coming at you. And you're being wise. And you're trying to k- kind of sort through all this, this external anger. And you're hearing what's coming out of the mouth. And you're saying, okay, I hear what they're saying. And you know what? They're right. There's truth in what they're saying. And so you could say, hey, you know what? Can I just stop you for a second? You're right. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? That dude's not going to know what to do at that point, right? I mean, you just kind of cut the wire, uh, right? The bomb stopped ticking, right? Because what, what, what uh, okay, uh, right? I forgive you. They either have to forgive you or they got to say, you know what, I'm not ready to forgive you. I got some more things I want to say to you, right? And that's what sometimes we do, right? But the point is, um, just diffuse it. Just say, you know what, you're right. And I'm not saying admitting things or confessing sins that you didn't commit just to kind of somehow, you know, move on, right? I'm not saying that. I'm saying if there is legitimate issues there you can confess, then confess and seek forgiveness, 
And don't just be defensive, right? Sometimes that's how we respond. Somebody comes with something against us, and we just all we're just defensive. And 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 and, and guess what? That usually doesn't end well, right? Usually things don't get resolved real well. Um, typically, I mean, I've only been in a handful of situations, honestly. But maybe I can count them on one hand, where I was being confronted about something where I honestly couldn't think of something I can confess. <laughs> I mean, I, I really couldn't think of something. Okay, okay, what, what, what are you accusing me of? What sin have I committed against you? Uh, I, and I, there's a couple of times I've actually said, okay, what are you actually accusing me? What, what sin have I committed? Please show me, because I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing it. But typically, like I said, that's on one hand. Typically, I can go like, you know what? There is some truth to what they're saying, and I can confess that. I can see forgiveness for that. It may not be... All ten things that they're, they're uh, you know, telling me I'm guilty of, but it may be two of those things that I can confess. And that goes a long way, right? Just wisely resolving conflict. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 5. Notice this, he says, There is an evil I have seen under the sun, like an error, error which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. I have seen slaves riding on horses and princes walking like slaves on the land. Again, this is, this is showing um, foolish or leading foolishly is what's happening here. So he's contrasting leading wisely and leading foolishly. Okay? The point is, not everyone in leadership is always right. They do make bad decisions that hurt people or they manipulate people and situations and what he's describing here what Solomon saw that just just irked him um, was that that foolish leaders oftentimes create jobs for their 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 friends and their supporters who have no business being in leadership because they're unqualified they're ill-equipped for the job and at the same time they can the the really wise capable people right who should be in leadership um but the reason why they get canned is because they oppose their foolish opinions and decisions, right? So here's, a, here's another one of life's ironies or inequities or injustices that tend to disillusion us. Um, people are not put into leadership positions based on their merit, but by the whim of some other foolish leader, right? We see that happen all the time in our government, right? In politics, that's happening all the time. Happens at your workplace, Right? That, that, that you deserve that promotion. You're the most qualified person, right? You should have got that job, right? But you're not as close buds as this other guy, right? Who's not even close to being qualified. And again, this happens all over the place. It, it, it happens in, in politics. It happens in industry. It happens in the military. It happens even in the church. That you get people who uh, are put in leadership positions. They got no business being in leadership positions. But they just happen to be the the pastor's friend, right? And so he kind of puts them in positions and, and when they're not really qualified to be in that position. Someone I think is, that's a good example of, of foolish leadership here is, is Solomon's own son, Rehoboam. Remember him? And uh, when he took the throne, um, he had a choice um, to either listen to the counsel of his dad's counselors, the kind of the elders, or to listen to his young buddies, right? And who did he listen to? His young buddies, right? His peers. And as a result, he divided the nation of Israel. And uh, it was never the same. And that was just an example of leading foolishly. And so here, here again is the kind of the backdoor way of talking about leading wisely. Thirdly is working wisely. Okay, we've got walking wisely, we've got leading wisely. Now, how about working wisely? Verse 8. He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. If the serpent bites before being charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. Now, it seems that Solomon here is just 
just, just describing how all sorts of potential dangers and uncertainties abound in this life. I mean, normal everyday duties and activities have risks attached. I'm looking out at a pilot, okay? He goes to work, right? Doesn't think anything of it, but there's risks attached to being a pilot, right? You never know what's going to happen, right? Um, some of you are in, 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 in jobs that, that there's dangers to those jobs. You could get hurt, right? Um, you could die. Um, but that doesn't stop you from going to work every day, right? Um, what's the point? It, it's, it's wise, right? If, you, if you're a ditch digger, you could fall into that ditch, right? Um, if you're working out, breaking down some wall, you could get, stick your hand somewhere and get bit by a snake, right? You could have a stone fall on you. Uh, you could have a log fly up and hit you in the head and kill you, right, or maim your face. All this stuff could happen. So what's the point? It's wise to be careful, right, to realize, okay, there's risk involved and there's dangers here. I need to plan ahead. And so by making the proper preparations and taking the necessary precautions, you're going to minimize and alleviate the danger. I was talking to... a. Uh, a airline mechanic just last week and I was asking him, man, how in the world is there such, the statistics of like planes like breaking down in the air, you know, you rarely hear that, but cars are breaking down all the time. How many times have we had a car broke down on the side of the road, right? It happens all the time. All of us have experienced that at some one point in life, but I'm thankful I've never been on a plane that broke down in the midair, right? I don't want to be breaking down at 30,000 feet, Right? So what, why, how is that and, and why? Because airlines are very meticulous when it comes to right, all the maintenance schedules and things. They take the necessary precautions and, and, and there's just a different way to think about it. Uh, don't be overconfident. Don't be presumptuous. Right? When you get cocky and think, oh, I, I've done this a, a hundred times before. I, I, I can do this with my eyes closed. I can do this in my sleep. Right? And you get cocky, that's when you get hurt. Right? He goes on talking about an axe. If the axe is dull and does not sharpen its edge, then he must extend more strength. Or should me exert more strength. So here's the work smarter, not harder principle, right? You want to work wisely, work smarter, not harder. You, you'll exert less energy and you, you require less time to get the job done if you work with a sharp tool, right? And the time that you spend sharpening the axe is, is more than compensated by the time and effort that you save, You've heard that story about the, the guy that went out to get a job as a logger. And, and so the guy, the, the foreman said, hey, he gave him his axe and said, let me see you cut down this tree. And the guy just, he just lickety split, got that tree down. He's like, you're hired. And so Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, right, went, went by. And um, the guy called him in on Thursday and said, hey, um, you know, I, I'm going to I'm have to let you go today. And he says, what are you talking about? He says, I'm, I'm, I'm here before anyone else and I, I go home later than anybody else and you know, I even work through my lunch breaks. And he says, well, I'm sorry, but your, your production is going down all week. You're able to do less and less. And he says, well, I don't understand. I, I'm, I'm working harder than anybody around here. And then the foreman said, hey, uh, by the way, have you been sharpening your ax? And he says, I've been too busy to take the time. Whole point was, right, guy was falling off on his production because he wasn't doing the smart thing, which was to sharpen the axe. How about verse 11, talking about the serpent bites before being charmed? Um, you're going to be looking for another job, okay? If you're a serpent charmer, you're a snake charmer, right? And, and the snake's biting you or someone else, right? You're not going to make any profit. Nobody's going to be dropping anything in your, in your little basket, right? Um, because you're not, what's the point? You need to do things in a timely fashion, right? Make sure you don't procrastinate in order to get the best value, the most effectiveness out of what you do. Make sure you do it in a timely manner. Um, we all have heard this expression, why lock the barn door after the horses are stolen? Right, you're a day, what, a day, a day late and a dollar short, right? The whole, whole idea is... Um, Make sure you're doing things in a timely manner. Again, just because we do all these things, it doesn't necessarily mean that things will turn out the way we hoped, but there's more hope of success with wisdom. Notice the end of verse 10. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success.
And so, I mean, if, you, if you're doing things foolishly, it's less likely you're going to succeed, right? But if you're doing them wisely, there, there is more likelihood that you'll succeed. One other point I want to make here on these verses. Some commentators take a more negative perspective on these verses, 8, 9, 10, and 11, and basically say that Solomon was, was referring to doing foolish things to hurt others. In other words, you're digging a pit, Right? For someone to fall into, we see that in the Proverbs, right? talks about that. You dig a pit, you're malicious, you want to hurt somebody. Well, you might fall into your own pit, right? Um, you know, you're, you're maybe trying to break down a wall um, to make an un- unlawful entry or maybe change a property line. You can expect to have to pay for it in some way. It's going to come back and bite you is kind of the idea, right? The chickens will come home and roost. What goes around comes around, right? That kind of stuff. That's kind of what he may have been saying here. A perfect example of that would have been Haman. Remember that in the book of Esther? Haman despised Mordecai, had a 75 or 95, I can't remember how high, just a massive gallows built for his enemy Mordecai. And guess who ended up getting hung on those gallows? Haman. And so he was the victim of his own malice. And so the idea here is working wisely. Okay, number four is talking wisely. Talking wisely. Look at verse 12. Words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly and the end of it is wicked madness. Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen and who can tell him what will come after him. And so... We know the easiest way to tell if someone is a wise person or a foolish person is just to listen to what comes out of their mouth, right? Matthew 12, Mark 7 talks about how the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. So if you want to know if somebody has foolishness in their heart or they have wisdom in their heart, just listen to what comes out of their mouth. Because our speech gives us away every time. The the, the tongue is the tattletale of the heart. And people were like, well, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'd say, listen, I'm just, I'm just going off of what you're, what's coming out of your mouth. You, you, can, you don't know my heart. You're right. I don't know your heart, but I know what's coming out of your, I hear what's coming out of your mouth. That's a pretty good indication of what's in your heart. And so the, he's just saying, Solomon's saying, listen, words are a fool's downfall. What comes out of their mouth hurts them and everyone else around them. Someone said it this way, the wise person will speak gracious words that are suited to the listeners and the occasion, but the fool blurts out whatever is on his mind and doesn't stop to consider who might be hurt by it. Don't be that guy, right, who just kind of blurts out whatever's on, whatever you're thinking and, and you don't stop to consider how this might affect people, how it might hurt them. Again, back to Proverbs, Proverbs 13.3. There's lots of parallels here. Proverbs 13.3, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Proverbs 21.23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. Again, back in Ecclesiastes, he says, yet the fool multiplies words. He multiplies words. He, he, he doesn't know how to shut up. You ever been around a person like that? They're just like, will you just stop talking? When, when our kids were littler, we used to, when they would just kind of be talk, 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 and then we would tell them to stop talking or they would get into an argument with one another in the back seat of the car or in their living room and, and we would say, hey, you need to get, and they just keep going, they keep, and then we just say, no words. We, we just, no words. No, 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 no words. And we just, we would just turn, unplug them and just say, no, you can't say, an, I don't want to hear another word come out of your mouth. No words. And what, what, uh, what Solomon's saying, there's, there's, there's foolish people out there who just, just talk, 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 and, and, and you can't understand a thing that they're saying because what they're saying doesn't make any sense. And the longer they talk, the crazier it sounds, and, and the more they talk, the more everybody knows how foolish they are. And so it's just better off sometimes just to keep your mouth shut. Proverbs ten nineteen. 
When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. In other words, the more you talk, the more you're going to sin. I mean, there's been occasions where I've been counseling certain folks, and, and I just basically said, you know what? The best advice I can give you is stop talking. You talk too much. And, and I, I, I'll tell you what, if, if you stop talking, you're going to sin a whole lot. You could cut your sin down, you could cut your sin in half if you just stop talking. I mean, the simplest way, the way to reduce the amount of sin in your life is stop talking. The more you talk, the more you sin. The less you talk, the less you'll sin. How about this one? This is a great verse. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. It's my life verse, right? Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. You know, just don't say anything. And people, you know, will think you're wise. But if you open your mouth, well, everybody will know you're a big idiot, right? And, and we know that, that people that talk a lot, it's pretty characteristic of them that they talk a big game, Right? Usually when they're talk, 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 it's, it's usually about who? Themselves, right? And all that they've done and all that they're going to do. And there's this bragging, there's this boasting. And, 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 and um, look, look at verse 14. No man knows what will happen and who can tell him what will come after him. Well, what's going on there? Well, it's that dynamic of, of saying, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then I'm going to do this and then we're going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to make all this money, Right? Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. James chapter four, verse 13, come now you who say today or tomorrow, we're gonna go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord, what? wills, we will live also and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Nothing more foolish than boasting. And then look at verse 15. This is what makes the fool's boasting about the future even more ludicrous. It says, the toil of a fool so wearies him He's so busy talking about what he's going to do that he does not even know how to go to a city. The point is, it's like obvious how to get to the city. It's clear, right? But in other words, you, you can't even accomplish the basic, most basic tasks of life. You lack common sense. We say that uh, about people that they don't know enough to come out of the rain, right? That's, that's the whole idea. And so here we're talking about talking wisely here. And don't, don't talk like a fool. Don't talk like a fool. Talk like a wise person. And then lastly, submitting wisely. Submitting wisely. Verse 16. Woe to you, O land, whose king is a lad and whose princes feast in the morning. So he's basically saying here that a country... The land, right? Woe to you, O land. So a country, or we could say a church, or a business, or a home. Woe is the word for cursed, right? Cursed is the country. Cursed is the church. Cursed is the business. Cursed is the home that is led by an immature, inexperienced, undisciplined, incompetent leader. They're to be pitied. And the guy's associates are as immature and as impressionable and irresponsible as he is, so much so that they carouse in the morning instead of attending to their duties, first thing they're doing when they wake up is, hey, let's have a party. They're not thinking about their duties. They're, all they're thinking about is their carnal appetites. Look at the contrast, verse 17. Blessed are you, O land, O country, O church, O, o, o business, or, or home, whose king is of nobility and whose princes eat at the appropriate time for strength and not for drunkenness. So you're blessed if you have a leader, right, who's a man of integrity and his fellow leaders manifest 
propriety and they exercise self-control. They eat and drink to gain strength, not to be gluttons or to get drunk. I always joke about this with, with, with Kelly that she eats to live, I live to eat. So you can tell by her plates, right? You look at her plate, she's definitely eating to live. Got the broccoli, the carrots, and everything good for you. And I've got the chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes, and where's the extra gravy, right? So eating to live, right? So I was convicted by something that, that I read in the commentary today. It basically said this, that the leader's eating habits are a good indication of how good a leader they are. Honey, don't hold that one against me now. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm toast now. She's going to be quoting that all the time now, I guarantee. You know, the Bible said, no, it wasn't a Bible, it was a commentary. So just a fallible man, right? So we don't know if that's true, but I was convicted about it. A leader's eating habits are a good indication of how good a leader they are. Ouch. Verse 18, though through indolence, or laziness, the rafters sag, and through slackness, the house leaks. Husbands, make application. Okay, you got a honeydew list? The, the stuff to do around the house, and that, that roof's been leaking for how many years now? And, uh, right? I mean, this is a, a lazy leader's house is falling apart. Um, verse 19. Men prepare a meal for enjoyment and wine makes life merry and money is the answer to everything. Whoa. You're like, that's in the Bible? Money is the answer. I didn't think money was the answer to everything. Well, again, we know that part of what's um, so refreshing about the book of Ecclesiastes is, is how it talks about how God gives us life to enjoy. He wants us to enjoy life. And part of the enjoyment of life is what? Good food, good drink, um, and, and by the way, in order to have good food and good drink, you got to have money. <laughs> You're not going to enjoy that stuff without money. And so he, he's not saying that, oh, money solves all of our problems. I think he's just simply saying that, you know, if you want to enjoy life, right, um, and, and uh, enjoy good food and good drink, right, um, you're going to have to have some money to do that. Um, but we know that, that a man's life doesn't consist in the abundance of things he possesses, right? Money isn't the answer to everything. Someone said money will buy everything except happiness, and it's a ticket to everywhere except heaven. Verse 20. Furthermore, in your bedchamber, do not curse a king, and in your sleeping rooms, do not curse a rich man, for a bird of the heavens will carry the sound, and the winged creature will make the matter known. I think the idea here is that um, it's in the context, right, of, of um, leading. We're seeing good leaders, bad leaders. Um, sometimes it's hard to submit to, to leaders when they fail, right? If you are in a situation where you're being led at home or at work, uh, or hopefully not at the church, right, by, by bad leaders, inept leaders, you need to maintain some level of respect for them, because God has placed them in authority over you. You may not respect the person, but you need to respect the position or the office, right? Salute the uniform if you need to, right? Romans chapter 13, 1 Peter 2. How do you do that? How do you show respect for uh, an unrespectable leader? Well, you need to be careful not to speak evil about them. Don't criticize an inept leader. Um, even if it's done in private, behind closed doors, in the privacy of your own room, your own bedroom, or your own, right? Why? Because that criticism may end up getting back to that leader, right? Some unknown source will disclose one's secret criticisms. There's, a, there's a, an expression, a, a little bird told me. A little bird told me. I think it probably came from this verse, for a bird of the heavens will carry the sound and the winged creature will make the matter known. In, indiscretions have a way of sprouting wings, right? And so if you disagree with leadership and think they're doing something wrong, don't talk to other people about it. Talk to them about it, right? It's just a basic principle, how to be, how to be wise, submitting wisely uh, to leadership, even when leadership fails. You know, I'm a big believer, by the way, in, in the fact that God is the silent 
witnessed every conversation. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient, right? And so he hears everything that you say about everyone on this planet. And I think the wisest way to live is that, that you talk about other people in every context, even if it's in private, the way you would want them to be talking about you. Right? So next time you're having a conversation, even with your spouse, right, that's the most private conversation, you know they're not going to tell anybody, right? Ask yourself, would I want some other guy or some other gal to be talking about me, right, the way I'm talking about this person? Uh, I just think what, go, what goes around comes around. And, and God has a way of bringing justice, right? And if you're always trashing other people, in your conversations, even if it's in private, amongst the buds, amongst the gals, nobody else knows, right? That's going to come back and bite you. And don't be surprised when you find out other people are talking about you in the same way. And it hurts. It hurts when that happens. And so just be wise. So the question is, are you living wisely or are you living foolishly? What does your life look more like, the, the fool here in this, in this chapter or the wise person in this chapter? Good, good, good way to measure uh, how you're living is just maybe tonight or tomorrow morning, just read back through this chapter and, and again, see if your life uh, is more characterized by the folly in this chapter or the wisdom in this chapter. All right? Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, just a, a real practical text tonight that we could just walk our way through and and just talk about some practical things that, that affect all of us. Lord, it's not like any of us could not relate to tonight's message, Lord. It's, these are things that we deal with on, on a daily basis. And I just pray you'd help us to, to um, just, just root out the foolishness that, that is naturally in our hearts and our lives, uh, in our lips. And, and Lord, replace that with wisdom. Lord, that we would walk wisely. Lord, we would... We would lead wisely, we would work wisely, we would talk wisely, and we would submit wisely. And Lord, that we would um, just be a great reflection of the wisdom that uh, Christ is and how Christ can transform a fool uh, into a wise person. And so, Lord, that we would be great advertisement for the, for the wisdom of Christ. We ask this in his name. Amen.